Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. It is Thursday, the 6th of April, 2023. It is the Thursday of Holy Week. I encourage you to be um, spending intentional time today with the Lord. Intentional time today with the Lord. Um, We're going to jump into our Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You can get the Growing Your Faith verse of the day in your inbox first thing every morning. You just sign up for it at MyFaithRadio.com. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 16. I hope that with me, you are journeying with Jesus um, during this Holy Week. We'd love for you to be reading through the Bible with us during Holy Week. You can sign up to do that as well at the website. Um, So today's verses. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So the time has come, literally the hour has come. Jesus and his disciples are at the table. And the only person who knows that this is the last supper is the one who will, in just hours, um, accomplish the work necessary for the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. So what are some of your, you know, like family traditions? What are some of the holidays that you and your family love to celebrate together? What are the, what's the cadence or what are the rhythms of those activities? Are there certain dishes that are always served? Are there, you know, certain places that everybody always sits at the table? Are there holidays when you gather to celebrate or commemorate certain events in your family's life? And on those days, are there particular people who make specific dishes that just will, you know, make the day the day? Passover would have been like that for those gathered with Jesus in the upper room. There um, there was a particular cadence, even a script for this particular meal and its celebration. Jesus says that he'd been looking forward to sharing it with them. And then he rewrites the script. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later this morning, but As Jesus' disciples watched him and listened to his words on this particular Passover, they would have understood the historical significance of what he was doing and saying. But they certainly did not fully understand until after the crucifixion and resurrection how he was transforming this Jewish feast of remembrance into a new symbol for remembering Jesus' atoning sacrifice. This is the Last Supper, but only Jesus knows that. This is the meal that will become for the church the Lord's Supper, but only Jesus knows that. This is the act that will become sacred for Christians from this day to this day. Like, 
every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, we remember the Lord's death until he comes again. But at the time, on that first Passover, in the upper room, on the night that would change all other nights, only Jesus knew all that. Think for a moment about the last time you got to celebrate with someone you love. The last time they were here for Christmas or the last time there was a family gathering where you sat next to them and heard them laugh and shared their famous hot dish. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I had only known that was going to be the last time, I would have said or I would have. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He knows it's the last time. He says as much. I tell you the truth. I will not eat this meal again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus' words and actions are intentional. He is making a memory. He is establishing a practice, and he's doing it in real time. As you eat this bread, as you drink this cup, every time you eat and drink, And so today, let me encourage you, as you eat and drink, not just today, but maybe throughout this Holy Week and then Easter weekend, take an extra moment to consider the sacrifice of Christ on your behalf. Consider how his body is offered, broken. Consider how his blood is poured out for you. Allow Christ to be present with you and thank him for the way this day in his life changes every moment of your life, now and forevermore. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Come to the table This is my right A right given by God To live a free life To live in freedom Ben Johnson's joining us again today. If you haven't visited him recently at WashingtonStand.com, you should do so because he's got a new profile pic. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. That's a new profile pic. Am I right? Uh, it, it, it is. It's either me or a conehead. I haven't figured out which. I don't know. You have a very, you have a very, uh, yeah, you have a very serious look about yourself. Good morning, sir. Always good to be with you. <laughs> okay. So you have, um, you know, frankly, a very... Um, troubling article posted right now at WashingtonStand.com. Not just Nashville. Attacks against churches nearly tripled in 2023, report finds. Um, it's only April, Ben. Yes, it, it's this is a, a periodic update to a report that came out just uh, last December. And what's concerning, uh, my, my colleague here at FRC, Ariel Del Turco, looked at the number of verifiable attacks that have taken place against churches. These are acts of vandalism, uh, gun-related incidents, bomb threats, things of that sort. 
and things that could be verified through police reports or media reports that uh, are backed up by police. What they ended up finding, uh, Ariel looked into this, the number of incidents had already tripled between 2018 and 2022. Just this week, she's put out a supplement to that, looking at the first three months of this year, 2023, and they have tripled yet again. So we're looking at, at uh, if my math is correct, a ninefold increase over the last five years. It's incredibly troubling. And January was the worst month uh, that she's ever looked at. So multiple acts of, um, of um, vandalism, uh, primarily this is property damage, but uh, of course, you know that uh, the most serious incident just happened last week with the attack on uh, the Covenant School in Nashville. Yeah, I want to read one sentence. The rising tempo of anti-Christian assaults, which includes arson, bomb threats, vandalism, and sacrilege, has affected places of worship in 29 states. So no matter where you're listening across the country right now, you probably have a um, uh, a Christian church in your state that has in some way been targeted of late. Um, and I will say that uh, even as the covenant school and thus the covenant church um, in Nashville, Tennessee, even as people um, have centered their um, concern upon that community, there are constant protesters um, as well. So it's not as if those who are mourning and grieving are doing so in an environment, um, you know, where they're they're just allowed to peaceably mourn. Um, it's there's a continual protest underway uh, as well. The, the human spirit's constantly churning uh, because you have two spiritual forces in the world that are acting one on behalf of the Holy Spirit to try and bring peace and love and harmony, and then uh, on the other side, uh, the uh, the attempt to divide us against one another. And so uh, you, you see the worst kind of violence and then uh, the worst assault on those who are, who are mourning that violence. Uh, ultimately, so far this year, there have been 69 acts of uh, vandalism or, or um, actual violence, uh, physical violence against individuals at church. Uh, that's almost a tripling, as I say, over the last year. Uh, 53 of those were acts of vandalism, but there were 10 suspicious fires, three involved guns, and then there were three bomb threats as well. And uh, there was even one uh, one curious incident of someone who burned a cross outside a Roman Catholic church. Uh, it's not it's not clear that it was racially motivated uh, because the, the, everyone involved seems to be of the same ethnicity. But it was it was obviously an attempt at intimidation uh, going forward. Someone expressing their disdain apparently for the Christian cross, which we know is the heart of our faith. And I think that's really what's happening here uh, for for a church building, in, in some cases, some churches have a theology that this is a sacred space, uh, but whether you have that formally or not, it's a space where we gather and we become the body of Christ uh, when we join together in a place uh, of worship, and we offer our fruits of thanksgiving and glory and worship to the Lord together collectively, and someone who is attacking that place ultimately is attacking the one who is embodied when the people gather together. Mm. Speaking of um, uh, attacks um, and senseless murder, um, if you're listening right now and you're not yet aware of this news out of San Francisco, Bob Lee, who um, is one of the one of the creators of the system that makes your Android work, um, also created the number one financial app uh, that's available right now, uh, and it's called Cash App. He was um, 
murdered in San Francisco in what appears to be an absolutely senseless stabbing. Um, and so we just want to lift up people who are grieving today um, and and the the violence of the human heart um, and and recognize that today's the day like this is Maundy Thursday of Holy Week and today's the day that God takes so seriously human sin that Jesus is going to go to the cross and so um, as you survey what's happening to the church in the world and you survey what's happening to precious people um, in in all kinds of life circumstances and situations, just recognize the depravity of sin and the depths of it, um, and that Jesus actually does come, um, not only to forgive us of our sins, but ultimately to bring redemption to all creation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll continue our conversation with Ben Johnson in just a moment. Welcome your King, Palm Sunday. Sit next to him at the table during the Last Supper. Feel the hurt and betrayal, the agony of death. Be the first to celebrate at the empty tomb on Easter morning. Join Faith Radio's Reading the Bible Together Holy Week study as we walk with Jesus to the cross. Get your free study guide and access to the Reading the Bible Together podcast by signing up now at MyFaithRadio.com. When I remember what you've done, when I remember... Continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson, you can find Ben at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, I am reading that the state of Washington is stockpiling abortion pills ahead of um, a federal court ruling... um, on their distribution and use. Can you tell us what's going on there? Yes, uh, of course, uh, Washington State, uh, very much uh, a, a supporter of uh, of abortion uh, in general. And the uh, governor there, Jay Inslee, ordered the Department of Corrections to uh, use its pharmacy license to buy 30,000 doses of mifepristone. Uh, cost more than a million dollars to do so. Uh, which is about a three-year supply uh, of the number of uh, mifepristone pills that are usually used in chemical abortions in that state. Uh, Also, the University of Washington purchased another 10,000. So essentially, they've stockpiled enough for three to four years of chemical abortions in the state because there's a a lawsuit before a judge in Texas uh, brought by the Alliance Defending Freedom and a lot of other pro-life groups saying that the FDA never should have approved mifepristone, that the process that they used when uh, this was rushed through 20, more than 20 years ago uh, was illegitimate and it did not follow legal guidelines. I think they have a good case. Uh, apparently, Washington believes they have a good case as well. And uh, so they are, they are stockpiling these in the, in the event that uh, the judge decides to take mifepristone off the market. Now, to me, this is concerning for a number of reasons. And, and by the way, it's not just us. Uh, the Biden administration, and uh, through its CDC, had asked people, or I believe it's the FDA, had asked people not to stockpile these pills. And so they're simply ignoring the uh, the head of their party, the head of, uh, of uh, the United States, and his guidelines on this. But um, it, it raises a couple of questions. The, uh, the first is simply a practical one, which is what if the judge rules that these pills are illegal and no one should use them? Will the state distribute them anyway in violation of a legal order? 
Uh, is this an act of, of defiance and illegality? Uh, in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., with uh, the words of uh, interposition and nullification dripping from their lips. Uh, the other one, though, to me, what, where my mind went for this instantly was Joseph in, uh, in the book of Exodus. You have Joseph in, uh, in Egypt. He interprets the dream of the Pharaoh that there have been there are going to be seven fat years and then seven lean years. And he is put in position essentially as the prime minister to stockpile uh, enough for everyone to survive those seven lean years of famine. He's stockpiling enough in the, in the imitation of the Bible, in the imitation of our Lord, to make sure that everyone has enough for life. They are stockpiling enough of these pills to make sure that death continues to reign, even if they have to violate the law to do so. And that, that says a lot about where we are as a nation, that uh, an entire area is more interested in using the funds of people. And you know, th these monies could have been used for uh, any, any process, could have been used to, uh, to pay for ultrasounds. It could have been used for pro-life pregnancy centers, could have been used to buy diapers or baby formula for children. And instead they're used in order to bring death where life could reign. Um, yeah, I, I just, I find it so troubling. I, I just, I'll just leave it right, right there. I, I just, I find it so troubling. Um, the Vatican says that China has unilaterally appointed a bishop. Um, I know that you keep um, your eye on what's happening in, in China. So can you read us in on this? Yes, uh, this is something that shouldn't have surprised anyone who is uh, conversing with what's going on over there. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's all of living down to our worst expectations of what's happening in China. Uh, the Vatican announced uh, on, on Tuesday that a Chinese bishop was installed uh, in Shanghai. The Bishop of Shanghai is a, an individual, Bishop Joseph Shenbin uh, of Haimen, uh, appointed to the Diocese of Shanghai by a group of bishops who were not recognized by the Vatican. He essentially appointed himself, although in China, you don't do anything independent of the authority of the government. So uh, the, the Vatican said that they weren't consulted. Uh, the, the, the Vatican and China came up with an agreement back in 2018. Uh, they just uh, um, reiterated it once again and signed it uh, for uh, an extension, saying that uh, essentially, the Vatican and China would both have a say in appointing bishops. And uh, for years, the church, of course, in, in China, there was an official, quote unquote, patriotic church, which was run essentially by the government. Uh, and it preached the government's line. It, it held church services and they would, they would read from the Bible and so on. But they interpreted their theology in accordance with socialism and Communist Party doctrine. Uh, Xi Jinping has has been uh, a proponent of what he calls sinicization, which is making all of the churches bow the knee to socialist indoctrination and preach that in the church in place of the gospel. Uh, unfortunately, that has intensified. Matter of fact, uh, it was just in last November, they created an entire diocese that didn't exist and, uh, and appointed their own bishop, uh, the Chinese government, uh, without consulting with the Vatican. And so... Now they're, they're appointing bishops independently. Uh, for those of us who are not Catholic, it, it, the, the process uh, may or may not be very clear, but the bottom line is the Chinese government has taken on its own authority to appoint who is or is not a bishop with absolutely no reference to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
So the government is essentially setting itself up as the head of the church, telling people that you will preach socialist doctrine and uh, doing so in complete violation of any legal agreement, which is precisely what we would expect. Uh, Xi Jinping is now in his third term. Uh, he is essentially setting himself up as a dictator for life in the, in the mold of Mao Zedong. He is the most powerful leader uh, that they have had in generations, and he's asserting his authority over every aspect, including the church. Uh, we know that Christianity is growing rapidly in China, that uh, there is an underground church that is heavily persecuted, uh, the early rain movement, uh, a lot of house churches are destroyed, pastors are put in prison if they don't preach this adulterated message of the gospel. So our hearts should go out to everyone of every church background and, and religious background, that they can breathe in freedom, that the gospel will have freedom, and that hearts uh, will be able to hear the true message and uh, their hearts will begin to burn within them the way that they did for, uh, for Martin Luther or the way that they did for uh, John Wesley. And their hearts will suddenly come aflame with a message that uh, we know we are recelebrating and so many Christians in the West now are reliving in these holy days uh, of this week, tracing the steps of Christ the Savior to the cross, that uh, they would kneel at that cross and accept him as their Savior. Mm. Ben, um, as always, thank you so much. As uh, as Ben takes leave of us, I'm going to cover a couple more headlines related to China for those of you who are, um, you know, paying attention to other headlines. And you're like, what about the meeting between Speaker Kevin McCarthy of the U.S. House of Representatives and the Taiwan uh, president um, that took place on Wednesday and China's response to that? Yes, China has vowed reprisals against Taiwan after the meeting between the United States House Speaker and um, the President of Taiwan yesterday, China views that as wrong and dangerous. China's President Xi Jinping is meeting with the head of the um, European Commission, as well as the President of France. Uh, Macron is pressing China to bring influence on Russia in terms of the war in Ukraine. And for those of you asking about um, what you're reading in terms of China and um, and the BRIC nations trying to undermine um, the the U.S. dollar as the um, uh, you know the currency, the reserve currency in the world. Yes, that's uh, that is that is a, apparently currently their plan, um, and so that is afoot as well. So there's lots going on in relationship to China. And it's just good to be mindful that um, the kingdom of God is uh, is the one of which we are all citizens and that we look forward to. And we are seeking to be a provisional demonstration of here and now, no matter what kingdom of this world we happen to be a citizen of. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Come to the table and taste of the glory and savor the sorrow. He's dying tomorrow. That is breaking the bread Soon will be broken uh, One month away from the National Day of Prayer So let me lift up James chapter 5 Verses 13 to 16 today As we move into our conversation With our friend Kathy Branzell From the National Day of Prayer Task Force Here in just a moment So James chapter 5 Verses 13 to 16 Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray is anyone happy? Well, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? 
Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's talk about fervent prayer. Let's talk about the fervent prayer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on this day in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does it mean to pray fervently? And what do your fervent prayers sound like today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Kathy Brinzel is joining us now from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. It's just one month away. Hey, Kathy. (laughs) Yes, we're so excited, but we hear every tick come off that clock. (laughs) I know. I bet you have quite a countdown calendar. We do. We do. We hear every second. So, but so exciting and so grateful. Let's talk about um, the theme the theme this year of the National Day of Prayer, um, let's talk about praying fervently in righteousness and availing much, James 5, 16. Um, what does it mean to pray fervently? And what does it mean to pray fervently in righteousness? Yeah, so um, I, I love this theme that it's just packed with many conversations. But uh, let's let's start with the righteousness piece that I think we may have talked about that over the last few months, that's our condition in Christ. That's our gift. And so that's how we get to come boldly. That's how we get to come confidently because the veil was torn from top to bottom and in Christ and in his righteousness, he became sin who knew no sin that we could become his righteousness. And so we get to come and talk to our heavenly father and, and you don't come and talk to somebody like God with a cold heart, half-heartedly. And so the fervency um, in prayer, I love Ian Bounds, um, says uh, fervency is not noise and it's not fuss. Okay, so it's not like you have to get yourself stirred up and you're loud, but we can get loud when we're crying out. But fervency is the fire in the heart. So I often think about, you know, the five-year-old begging his parents for a puppy. Now we don't come pleading and begging to God, but there's a fervency in that child's heart that they want a puppy or that they want to go, you know, get a burger or whatever it is. And there's this please, 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 and this joy, joy, joy on their face coming to somebody that they know can make this happen. And, and so fervency is of the heart and, and the intimacy and the intensity of the moment and the heart of the prayer. So the word um, fervent or the use of the word fervent or fervency in terms of like just normal discourse, like it had its height in, in like 1800. And so I think that when we talk about words that... Um, used to be quite popular, but words that have, you know, for whatever reason, sort of fallen out of our common parlance, it right. is an opportunity for us as Christians to bring forward a word and, and 
and kind of reintroduce it by using it. Like, right. So how might, um, how might I talk today um, about the need for fervent prayer? How might I practice fervent prayer? Um, and, and then how might I talk with others about, you know, what, what it means to like have this like deep ardent affection with which I'm going before um, God in right. prayer. Right. And, and I'll, some of that is, is um, your, your passion and your love, your awe, you know, it, it goes back to the mm. awe reverence of him. Um, it goes back to the, the affection that you feel not only to him as God almighty, but the person that you're praying for, I mean, there's a big difference in me just saying, Lord bless Carmen and, and bless Paul and bless faith radio versus, uh, you know, getting in there very specific praying about, um, your lives and your, your marriages, your children, your, the finances, the faithfulness of the radio station, the listeners, that God would prepare their hearts every morning that they would hear his word anew and put it into practice. Okay. That's a fervent prayer. And then also, because you have to take the whole verse in context and it's a promise. We're praying God's promise here in this theme this year. Because it says that when we come to him with our whole heart, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And, you know, people all the time are like, oh, why should we give to prayer? I mean, you know, what's the return on my investment? I've got better things to do with my time, right? Do you know how much work I could get done in the time that you pray? Blah, blah, blah. Well, that word much in the original language in scripture is also found when God describes his glory, his mercy, and our reward in heaven. And so we come with such joy and confidence and, and awe. Uh, that should fill your heart. Your heart should be pounding a little harder right now thinking about that because we are going to do the one thing. There's nothing more. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing more effective. Now, absolutely, we come out of our prayer closet and many times God calls us to be the answer to a lot of people's prayers. But first and foremost, prayer. When I think about um, praying fervently, um, and I think about the pleading maybe of David before um, before yep. God when he's pleading for the life of his child. Um, yes. There's these pleading prayers. Um, right. And confession is a huge part of that. Um I, I think that uh, a person who is praying fervently knows their own condition, knows um, a little bit, you know, I guess maybe Habakkuk, like, right, we've got, I don't know, I we don't know where else to turn. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Like, I, um, you know, right. these, these pleading prayers where we recognize um, our insufficiency, God's greatness, his goodness, our total reliance upon him. Um, and and the desperation in which we find ourselves. Um, right. Maybe just invite folks into fervent prayer today um, for our nation. Absolutely. Um, do we have time to pray now, Carmen? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yes. So Lord Jesus, um, you hear, you hear our hearts, Lord. We first confess that we um, have maybe done more complaining, more worrying, more grumbling, more fretting than we have praying. And we confess our prayerlessness right now, knowing that you are still on your throne and that you are unchanging and you love us more than we could ever understand. You are God Almighty. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the Word made flesh who came and dwelt among us. You are our Christ who went to the cross, defeated death and the enemy, and walked out on the third day as ascended into heaven. And so, Lord, we come to you with the condition of our world, the condition of our nation right now, with um, the unpure hearts. We cry out as Isaiah did, um, woe. I am a man of unclean lips and an unclean world, and we ask that you would cleanse our hearts, that you would make your presence known, that we thank you for Asbury. We thank you for turning the attention of the church back on you. We can almost hear you say, uh, eyes up here, look at your maestro, look at your God. And so, Lord, I thank you for the anticipation across the nation for this Easter, for this National Day of Prayer, for each day we are watching for your heart and hand to move. And just as Habakkuk said, uh, Lord, even if, even if there's nothing on the vine, even if there's no cattle in the stall, even if, no matter what's going on in this world, we will bless you. We will praise you because you are God. You are God Almighty. Purify us, Lord. May America bless you, not just ask you to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our conversation with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force in just a moment. We're going to turn our attention to the fervent prayer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus certainly prayed fervently on this day, and we're going to join him in his fervent prayer. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Jesus, let me tell you what he went through. You know he really didn't have to. He could have easily just walked away, but he said, Continuing our conversation with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find lots of resources and opportunities near you at nationaldayofprayer.org. Um, Kathy, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46, as an entry point into a conversation about the fervent prayer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on um, this particular day. He came, uh, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, 
If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, Kathy, you and I, um, and virtually everyone listening, knows uh, that Jesus is offering this fervent prayer that this cup of wrath be taken from him, that God might somehow um, produce salvation through some other means other than the sacrifice of his life upon the cross as a substitutionary atonement for our sins. But there is no other way. And so by the will of the Father, the Son obediently goes from here to the cross. Can you just talk about this as an example of fervent prayer? I I often think about um, not just the torture he knew he was going to face physically. Um, I mean, just absolutely torn to shreds before he even gets on the cross. And then the nails and the sound of the nails being driven into him. But we also have to remember the spiritual torture. Um, Lots of people died on a cross, but Jesus had our sins nailed to him. He was paying the wrath of God. He was paying our sin debt in full. And I can't imagine the torture, the excruciating pain of taking on um, the punishment of my sin, much less the sin of the world. Jesus knew, um, even being fully God, that, uh, you know, he knew he could call down legions of angels and the whole thing would have stopped. He could have slipped over the back of the Mount of Olives and the wilderness there, no one would have ever found him. He could have disappeared in a moment. But the word that he uses in some of the translations is nevertheless. Father, if this cup could pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. What a what a powerful, fervent um We know that he was praying from the heart. It tells us that his sweat turned to blood. We know the physical condition of that happening from medical books. Uh, Jesus was praying from his heart, but he went to the cross um, because of his heart. Mm. Yeah. When we, um, you know, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there is this echo for us of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. I think there are just a lot of times, Kathy, when we are absolutely just praying our own will be done. Um, right. We are we are um, imagining that, you know, God would come to heal like a dog um, and that he would um, do what we want him to do. And that if he doesn't do what we want him to do, then he's not God. He's not the kind of God that we want. Um, he's not, you know, like... Um, and it's, it's the height of arrogance for us to 
imagine that God would do what we want to do on our timeline um, for the benefit of those who we think God ought to be operating on behalf of. Um, And it's just in this absolute and utter humility that Jesus is bowed down. Jesus, the very Son of the living God, Jesus, who is rightfully seated at the right hand of the Father in the glory of heaven, who, I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about here, and he is pleading before the Father. Um, if if there be any other way, if there be any other way, um, please, Father, like implement it now. Right. And God and God answers with, "There's there's not another way. You are the way. You are the way. You're the truth. You're the life. No one is going to get to come to the Father except by you. And through this extraordinary act of sacrifice and obedience. And so, when people today, Kathy, um. Imagine that there are lots of ways to God. There are lots of ways to salvation. I mean, Jesus might be the way of my choosing, but, you know, whatever way you're picking is fine. Like, it's an absolute, like, slap in the face to Jesus bowed down on the Garden of Gethsemane, who's pleading for any other way, if there be one, and yet submitting to the Father who says, this is the way, this is the only way. Yes. And we, we have to remember to uh, uh, so many things. I mean, I think we could sit and write a book now about this, but, um, you know, faith, uh, uh, faith trusts. Um, faith is the believing and trust is the walking it out that God is God, that God is love, that God does know the end from the beginning. He is the author of our days. He does love us. Um, more than we could understand. And so therefore, in the moments of loss and all that has happened even last week, I mean, you know, in the whole idea mm-hmm. of rejo- those who rejoice and weep through those who with those who weep, there's a whole lot of weeping just last week and with all the tornadoes and the school shooting and the Blackhawks down in Kentucky mm-hmm. and on and on it goes, but he's still God. And there's this moment where you say, but not my will, yours, because you're God. Um, and and I love to something I don't want us to miss here is that Jesus was asking his his inner circle to intercede. He says, watch and pray. And so when we know somebody is going through um, these horrible earthly trials and tribulations and crisis and challenges when you commit when you say to somebody i'll pray for you pray for them we can't be like the disciples that said um well i'm just going to take a little nap um jesus was asking his friends help me um and and also help yourself that you won't be tempted and, and so many times when people are like, I prayed and I believed and I prayed and I believed and I prayed and I believed, but my grandmother died anyway. Now I don't believe. You're like, what? No, 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 no. Run to him for comfort because he's God and you're not. And just tell him because he's the God of justice, because he's the God of righteousness, because he is the God that says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because he is that God that we trust that there is a sin, a right, and a wrong. 
that's the God we can trust even when we don't get our way. Because ultimately we know his way is righteousness, justice, and love. Kathy, um, as always, thank you so much for bringing such uh, clarity to the conversation. Thank you for praying such compassionate prayers. We'll be praying for you and the National Day of Prayer Task Force as you as you all, um, you know, work toward in these last 30 days, um, the, the lead up to the National Day of Prayer. And we look forward to joining you in that. That's Kathy Brinzel. You can find her um, online at nationaldayofprayer.org. Check out resources there for the National Day of Prayer. And if there's not already going to be an organized event in your own community, you can host one. And the information to do that is there as well, nationaldayofprayer.org. Um, Kathy, um, blessed Holy Week and, um, and happy Easter. Thank you. You too, my friend. We love you Thank guys. You. That's so mutual. Um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Part of my prayer practice during Holy Week is uh, to just simply pray through hymns of this particular season. And my grandmother, Robina, um, always had a hymn, uh, humming, humming, humming along. And one of her hummed hymns uh, was in the garden. And so I offer you these words. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing, and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him through the night, though the night round me be falling, but he bids me go. Uh, Through the voice of woe, his voice to me is calling." Are you walking with the Lord today? I hope so. He is, um, he is headed to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, um, and he is going to bow down and he is going to lift you up even as he is lifted up upon the cross for your sins. Let us find some time today to be with Jesus in the garden, walking with him and talking with him. You got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.